Good morning, family. Glad to see you. God bless you. If you're joining us online today, welcome to Destiny Church. Wherever you are in the world, we're glad that you've tuned in and that you're watching. Trust that you'll be blessed and encouraged today as we open God's Word and continue to open our hearts to Him uh, and to each other. In the middle of a series on the concept of discipleship, and we started a few weeks ago, we talked about our theme, we took the theme of, uh, of grace to follow, and then uh, Luca shared with us about the grace uh, to grow, and then last week, uh, Yannicka shared with us about the grace to serve, and today I want to talk to you about the grace to lead. And uh, we're finishing our series today on the topic of discipleship, and I'm hoping uh, to get through my message because I want to, I want to just felt strongly today about praying for certain things uh, as we conclude this series together. Is that okay? You doing well? That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Uh, I encourage, encourage you to take some notes this morning because I just believe that God will want to speak to you personally um, that we don't gather here to be entertained or simply to play uh, karaoke Christian and just sing the songs along on the screen, but to actually take on that posture and that attitude of heart that is the disciples as God, I'm, I'm here to learn, I'm here to grow. Uh, I want to become that which you've imagined. I, I wanted Jonathan to get off the stage about 10 minutes earlier than he did because he was preaching my message and I thought, well, what's the point? You know, I, I, I just go up and close in the benediction, which is an old word, some of you know. Um, but I thought, no, I've actually got to present the message since I've spent 13 hours preparing it. There's a scripture I want to bring your attention to, but remember the words of Jesus. Jesus said, follow me. And that's where it begins. It begins with understanding that Jesus is calling. He's calling uh, historically, he's calling currently, and he's calling futuristically. Jesus is constantly standing in front of humanity, calling out to us, going, follow me, follow me. And the reason why we need to follow Jesus is because we're going to follow somebody. We are going to follow somebody. And there's no one better to follow than Jesus. I mean, what we've got in our world right now, and we're living under these clouds of, of war and chaos and fragmentation, we see our society, we see family, we see our community literally disintegrating before our very eyes. And you don't need to be in law enforcement or in the education system or to be in the healthcare service to see what's happening within the context of our community. You don't need to be a statistician. You just need to have eyes that look around in society and see that we are following as a nation the wrong advice and the wrong counsel. But Jesus stands in perpetuity declaring to humanity, follow me, follow me. And Jesus, uh, born 2,000 years ago at a fulfillment of prophecy, lived as a man, revealed himself to be God amongst us, Emmanuel, God with us. And, uh, and, and he called disciples together and he instructed them to go out and, and share with others what I've shared with you. And that's the end of this cycle of discipleship where Jesus begins by calling people to himself, but then as they've grown to become like him, empowered by his life, his love, his spirit, he sends them out. And we cannot fully um, grasp this whole concept of discipleship until we put our faith into action and begin to go beyond our comfort zones. Can I get a witness here? And actually begin to share this faith. And so, guys, if you help me with the slides this morning, I'd be much appreciative. We're going to be walking along. At first scripture I want to bring to your attention is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 says that He saved us and He called us. Now, 
here it is for a lot of Christians. They, 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 they get that first part, that, that Jesus saved me from my sins. Yay, I'm going to heaven. And I mean, that is good, right? I mean, that, that's good. Yeah, who's glad about heaven? Yeah, I'm glad about heaven. But that's not the end of the story. He saved us and He called us. And it's that that I want to underline for us today. I want to draw our attention back to this, that God has got a calling for my life. He's got a calling for your life. If you're watching this broadcast today, wherever you are, God has got a unique call, a unique grace that is specifically for you. And we as a, as a society, we as a church community particularly, but generally right across the planet, our earth is poorer if the church doesn't rise up and fulfill what God has empowered them, prepared them to be and to do. It says, it was not according to our work or our effort or our energy or what we did. We didn't do anything to deserve this. It was all about God's purpose and His grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus when? Before. Before. So we're kind of going, well, God, where's this work you've got for me to do? God's already got that prepared. What is he doing now then? If he's already got the work prepared, what's God doing now? He must be preparing us. And so this is the journey that we're on. This is the discipleship journey we're on, going, God's got a task. He's got an assignment. He's got, he's got something for me, delegated for me to do. But I've got to rise up and become that person to fit with that role description. You excited about that? Who's nervous about that? Let's be honest. God, I, I'm not sure I'm ready. I'm not sure I'm capable. And that's about the truth of it. You're not. You're not. So what do I got to do? I got to be transformed into the image of the Son of His love and keep continuing to grow beyond where I am and what I'm doing right now. And so God saved us and He called us. So what is Jesus calling us to do? I'm so glad you asked that. Here are six thoughts I want to share with you today. Number one, he call, He's calling us to, first of all, to be with Him to be with Him. This thing that we call Christianity is firstly and foremostly about our personal relationship with the King of glory, the Lord of life, King Jesus Christ. That's the faith of the, of, of the, of the gospel message, that God wants to draw us into a deepening relationship with Him. And I don't know where you are on that. Maybe you go, look, I'm not even sure if there is a God, and I don't know about this Jesus person you're talking about. I'm so glad you're here today. I'm so glad that I can agitate your thinking that possibly, just maybe, there is a God in heaven that He loves you very much and He's got a purpose and a plan for your life. And about now I'm looking for a few Christians bold enough to say, that's true. I find that to be true. But this thing of, this thing of Christianity is not in isolation, that He wants us collectively to be together with Him. That they, that they, He chose them that they might be with him. This Christian faith is not an isolation game. It's a team sport. You say, well, I can be a Christian and just worship from home. That's a trap. And I'd say it to you like this. It's a deception. Because if you're going to be an obedient follower of Jesus Christ, you've got to come into community and you've got to participate within the context of community. And praise God for all the Christian communities that our city has. There's lots of good churches here in Athens, and we are one of them. Praise God, we're not above and nor are we beneath. We're, we're brothers and sisters in God's vineyard that's called the Tablelands. So if someone starts to put down another church, go, they're good friends of ours. They're, they're good friends of ours, right? 
So that we might be with him and that he might empower us to do something. Number one, to be with him. That's why Jesus has called us to do. Number two, to become like him. Here's a scripture I want to trouble some of you thinking people with. Look what the Bible says. It says that as he is, so are we in this world. That we are to become like Christ in such a way that when someone sees us, they go, man, that guy reminds me of somebody. Have you ever had somebody say to you, I don't know what it is, but there's something different about you. Have you ever had that happen to you? The first time it happens, you kind of feel very self-conscious, kind of feel very awkward. You go, is my fly up? <laughs> have, I, have I stood in something? Like, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? It's just sort of very weird. I'm very self-conscious. You know, it's like, hang on, what are you talking about? But you realize after a while that they recognize that there is something different about you. You know, one of the things that in, in the Australian context, all you have to do is reveal yourself as being alien. It's just don't swear. It's, pretty, it's, it's a pretty hard job, right? Pretty hard job, that. Anyone here got saved and remembers what it was like not to be able to control your mouth? Well, I do. Well, I do. I remember that I was pretty free with the words and those words weren't kind or Christian, right? I was once described as, as a boy with the filthiest mouth on the bus and I, and I wore that badge with pride. And then the Saviour started to go, uh, what are you doing? And I realised this way of talking had a control on me that I didn't control. It controlled me, I didn't control it. I didn't want to live like that. I didn't want anything controlling me except God's love. I went, God, I'm sorry. And God, can you help me? I'm preaching to somebody here today. Don't, don't, don't say amen. Just, I'm preaching to somebody. But you reveal yourself. Well, you, you don't talk with an accent like that's not what's different about you, but there's something different about you. You're, you're positive. You're hopeful. You're encouraging. There's some life in you, right? And so we become like Jesus. So we've got boldness. We've got boldness in the day of judgment. Some people say, you know, don't worry about judgment. Don't worry about hell. Don't worry about God's got it all covered. Now look what the scripture says. It says, love has been perfected among us like this. That now we've got boldness as we approach the day of judgment. There's a day of judgment coming. But we don't need to fear that day of judgment. We've got boldness in heart because God's love is resident and primary in our heart and life. Because as He is, so are we in this world. We're called to become like Jesus Christ, right? Transforming power is in your life to bring transformation to a city by God's grace to a nation. Somebody said, I like what Rick Warren says. He says, you only truly believe that part of the Bible that you actually do. Ouch. Ouch. You only truly believe that part of the Bible that you actually do. We're called to be disciples. Jesus is the living word. Let's take God's word. Let's not look at it and go, how can we change it? Let's let God's word do what it's supposed to do and change us. So that we come like him and we bear his image. Remember back in the garden, the book of Genesis, that's what was said about us creatures. We were made in his image. We're made in his likeness. But something went wrong. And we let sin into, we let evil into, we let self-centeredness into our world. And we're still struggling with it. Number three, we're called to suffer with Jesus. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you better learn about it up front. It's, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you to pick up your cross and follow him. Because if you say yes to Jesus Christ, it's not all beer and skittles. 
If you say yes to Jesus, there's going to be a cost. If you're going to step up and become a person of God, become marked by His name, there's going to be opposition. In fact, there's going to be persecution. You know, in the West, one of the first things that they teach you as a new Christian is assurance. You really are saved. You really are saved. God really does love you. In the persecuted world, the first thing they teach you is, this could probably kill you. This, this decision you've made most likely will end in your death. Imagine that. But that's the truth of it. We can expect persecution if we truly follow Jesus Christ. There will be opposition. I remember as a child having stones thrown at me because I was a Pentecostal child. I was a Pentecostal kid. I know what that's like. I know the persecution. I know people, friends of mine, whose children have been barred from work because they were Christians. We don't want you here. Wow, imagine that. In Australia, yeah, it's happening and it'll continue to happen if you stand up for God and for godliness, you don't laugh with all the other jokes. If you make a stand for righteousness, there will be a cost. You'll be shunned. You'll be pushed out. I'm here to tell you the truth. Saying yes to Jesus Christ is incredibly costly. It'll cost you the world. But Paul said it like this. He said, I had the world. I had everything that you could possibly want. And I consider it all something that should be flushed down the toilet for this one thing. The surpassing greatness of knowing Him. If you ever find Him, you'll know that everything else is absolutely not to be compared with His greatness. Number three, to suffer with Him. If we remain faithful, even in suffering. Someone say suffering. You better get used to that word. You better get used to that word. If we suffer with Him, we will also rule with Him. If we refuse to say we know Him, guess what? He'll refuse to say He knows us. If you deny Him, He'll deny you. But if you confess Him, that's why we ask people when we baptize them, are you prepared to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life? We want them to make a public declaration of their confession of faith, of who Jesus is and what He means in their life and for their future. Number four, we're here to serve His purpose. We're called to serve His purpose. When you say yes to Jesus Christ, you're saying yes to a master, a commander and a king. It's not a democracy. You don't get a vote. Obedience is not an optional thing. You only, get, you only get the chance to obey as soon as the voice is given. As soon as the call is given, that's the moment of obedience. That's the moment where you say yes to Jesus Christ. Now is the moment of salvation. Today is the day, right? So you have to, number four, with me guys, number four. If we serve His purpose, look what it says. And Jonathan, this is why I was so excited you're preaching communion message going, He's on it. Holy Spirit's trying to communicate here to us. Ephesians chapter, how many verses are there in the Bible? And he's choosing the one I'm preaching on. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God prepared these good things for us to do. They're not good ideas. They're not good intentions. Would somebody please write down that God's purpose, God's purpose involves action. That God's got a purpose for our life. And that is part of us being a disciple of Jesus Christ. What's God's purpose for your life? There are two great days in every human being's life. The first one is when they're born. The second one is when they realize why they were born. That's when life starts to make meaning. That's when it starts to have meaning. Life starts to have purpose and you go, that's the reason why I'm on the planet. Number five. Number five. We're called to reign. We're called to reign with Him. I'm excited about this one. 
I like this idea. For if because of one man's trespass, speaking about Adam and his sin, death entered and reigned through that one person's actions, how much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ? I just love this idea that God's called me to rule and to reign in life. My car won't start. I can't find a car park. The thing that I want to buy is not available at the supermarket today. All sorts of little things just push us off the edge, right? We're like that donkey on the edge. We kind of just go, I'm all, and it just it doesn't take much to get us into a bad mood. But the scripture says that God's called us to rule and to reign in life. So that means that I have got all things under my feet and that God has called me to be the head and not the tail, to be above only and not beneath, to lend to many nations and have no need to borrow. I love this thought that God's called me to rule and to reign in life. I say, David, that's not my current situation. I say, well, I'm glad you're here today because our option is we either reduce our theology down to our experience and we go, that's all there is for me. Or we go, experience, you can rise up to my theology and go, there's got to be something better. There's a better day than today. And things might be going really well for you, but I promise within a few seats from where you're sitting today, there are people struggling with, struggling with something really difficult. And God's called us to rule and reign in life, to take life by the throat and say, I'm in charge because He's in charge of me. And God's called you to be that. God hasn't called you to be an accessory to life. He's called you to be a player. He's called you to be an influencer. He's called you to lead. He's called you to rise up and take control of your future. Ruling and reigning in life. Well, Pastor, I'll just be happy if I can get the mower to start. I've been there. I had days like that. But if I didn't believe I was called to rule, I'd just accept being beat up by life. And you might have been knocked down, but praise God you're not knocked out. Get up again. I've told this story, I've told this story here before, but you look like you want to hear it again, so here it goes. You know who Wayne Bennett is, right? That great Australian football coach, yeah? You know who he is, yeah? If you don't, just Google him. He's, uh, he's pretty famous. He was, he was coach for the, for, the, uh, for the Broncos back when they were in their glory days. And Wayne was, uh, was talking to one of his head coaches and he says, you know, we've got to get some new players. And he said, well, what sort of players are we looking for? And so the, 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 the under coach said, well, well, you know those guys, uh, sorry, sorry, um, Wayne says, well, you know those guys that get tackled and they stay down? And the other coach says, yeah, yeah. He says, well, we're not looking for those. He goes, yeah, you're right. We're not looking for those guys. Well, you know those guys that get tackled and they get up and they limp on with the rest of the game? He says, yeah, we're not looking for those guys. Are you? He says, you know those guys that get tackled and get tackled and get tackled and they just keep on going? He goes, yeah, yeah, I know those guys. They're good guys. He said, are they the ones we're looking for? And Wayne says, no, we're not looking for those guys either. He goes, well, who are we looking for? He says, we're looking for that man who's doing all the tackling. <laughs> we're looking for that man who's knocking everyone else down. That's what we're looking for, to be on our team, right? And God's called you to rule and to reign in life. Look, things might be really dark for you right now, but I'm just prepared to open the blinds. I'm prepared to throw open the window just a little bit and say, see that light, see that glimmer of hope that's there? See that dawn in the darkness? If you just believe that God is wanting to do something good, 
in you and through you and for you, then you'll begin to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. That God would give up everything heaven had to bring you back into relationship. And if He did that, how much, will he, how much more will He give us all things that pertain to life and righteousness and godliness? Yeah, number six, and I'm done. Number six, and I'm done. Jesus has called us to go into all the world and make disciples of His kingdom. Our problem is that, by and large, the church has made kingdoms of its kingdom instead of making disciples of His kingdom. See, God's kingdom is not a matter of talk. It's a matter of power. It's not eating and drinking, but it's life and it's joy and it's the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Can I get a witness here from somebody? Yeah? Go into all the world. You know, Renee, you and Yannicka are returning from this land of service to the Netherlands. But I just believe with all my heart that your going is not concluded. I want to just uh, unsettle you this morning that the sending is not stopped that there are other fields and there are other horizons there are other avenues that that commission is still on your life and even as you were sent here so you were being sent home and that God's commission and his hand is on your lives together uh, for even more in Jesus name you're not going home to retire you're going home to expand and to become more even more influential to the glory of God I want to close with a story this morning because uh, I like stories. But it happened when Sharon and I were youth leaders on the Gold Coast. So talk about the kingdom of God and its power. Is that all right? Can we do that? The kingdom of God and its power. Because Jesus said, I want you to be with me so that I give you power and authority to preach and take authority over evil spirits and heal people. And I want you, I want you to just reveal and, 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 and just release the kingdom of God wherever you go. Sharon and I were youth leaders at a church on the, on the Gold Coast. And while I was standing at the front door just doing what youth leaders do, looking cool. And... Uh, at least trying to, and uh, this young lady walked up the footpath around along the highway, up the footpath, came up the stairs of our church, and she, her terror was in her eyes, and, and, and she was literally shaking, and she put her hands on me. She said, I need to see a priest. And I said, well, I'll do. So Jenny came into our service and sat down with me. I said, what's wrong? She said, last night uh, in our caravan, these two red eyes appeared, and I just completely freaked out. I absolutely lost it. I, was, I, I, I can't explain what happened, but I was in absolute terror because there was this creature, there was this being in my caravan. And my, my boyfriend, he sat up and he could see the terror that I was in and he could not see what I could see, but he could see the terror. He could feel the terror that I was under. And he said to me, he said, call on the name of Jesus Christ. She looked at him going, who's this Jesus guy? He said, just do it. So she says, in the name of Jesus Christ, get out of here. And this thing just disappeared out of their caravan. And she puts her hands on her, on her boyfriend's shoulder. She says, what was that? And who was he that you just told me about? And he said, I'm the son of a Pentecostal mother. who's walked away from God. But my mom told me that if I ever encountered the power of hell, that the name of Jesus Christ was greater than any force that was in this world. She says, you mean you know this is real and you've never told me about it? He said, yeah, because I didn't want to lose you. I didn't want to lose what we had together. They're living in sin. He was doing, she didn't know any better, but he surely did. She got out of the bed and she walked five kilometers up the highway and she said in her heart, God, if, 
if, if you're there and if you're real, the first door I walk into, the first church I'm going to go into, that building happened to be on the, on the highway corner and she walked in. And she said, tell me about this person, Jesus, whose name I just used. There's power in the name of Jesus Christ. There's unlimited power in the name of Jesus Christ. Long story short is that Jenny that day committed her life to Jesus Christ. That afternoon, or was it the next day, sweetheart, Danny committed her, his life to Jesus Christ. She was a swimsuit model and he was a bodybuilder. And they always look good on my youth leadership team. <laughs> he was the kind of guy you'd want sitting beside you in Cephas Paradise because there were all kinds of people that walked into our church, I'm telling you. I just gave Danny the nod like, like I would do to you, um, I'm trying to behave here. I blame it on you, uh, Margaret. I'm trying to behave. And uh, a, few, a few weeks later, uh, we had this young couple over to our home, and we're kind of getting, you know, well, hey, you guys are living together in a caravan, and, you know, it's probably not a cool thing to do, and, and uh, I'm getting ready to have that conversation. You know that, that conversation? You know, put them straight kind of conversation? All you old Christians, you know what I'm talking about? All you old furniture, you know what I'm talking about? Have that conversation, Yeah. And uh, they said, uh, before you say anything tonight, in fact, before you say grace, Danny says, there's something I've got to tell you. I said, uh, what's that? He said, uh, I want you to know, Pastor, I've not slept with this girl since I gave my life to Jesus. And I went, man, alive. I appoint you to be the youth pastor of our church. How could you be laying beside that? He said, it's so hard. It's so hard. I said, what do you want to do? He said, well, she needs to move out. But we can't afford it. And I said, well, she can move in with us. So we made a room in our house, didn't we, babe? And he'd turn up, wanted to take out my new daughter. And I'd say, you didn't call me. You didn't ask for permission. Make a booking. Make a date. And I'd send him away. But he dated Jenny. And he wooed her. And he asked for my permission if he could marry her. Oh, that's yummy, isn't it? Hey, that's yummy. And I said, no. <laughs> I said, you've got to get baptized. You've got to be definite about Jesus because this girl's definite about Jesus. He said, I'm definite about Jesus, Pastor. I'm definite. Cool, let's get baptized. And then they got married. And uh, their life was just a beautiful testimony of the name and the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter where you go. You carry something this world does not have when Jesus is resident on the inside of your life. I love the stories of God's kingdom. I love the stories of God's power. But you've got to know him so that he can send you out to get beyond your fear, to get beyond your fear, to open your mouth and speak in his name. And then to have the boldness to say, could I pray for you? What if it doesn't happen, David? Well, sometimes it doesn't happen. Get used to it. Get used to it. But what has happened is that you've stepped out and you've displayed courage and boldness and that's personal growth. And if the worst that happens is someone knows you wish them well, isn't that better than you just going, I'm a chicken. I'm too gutless to stand up for his name. But what if it does happen? What if a miracle does take place? What if you see the power of God break out? Could that be a catalyst to see a whole family, a whole street, a whole neighborhood, a whole environment transformed and changed?
Can I get a witness here today? Because we're going to enter a season of soul winning. And I tell you what, it's because the church recognizes they're not just believers in Jesus Christ, but they are disciples of His kingdom. And they're putting into action what God has given to us to, to learn and to do. One scripture, and then we close. Can I have our worship team come back, please? I appreciate that. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 is one of my life verses. It's one of those verses that just steer me in the in the direction. It sort of summarizes the mission of my life. It helps me understand my assignment and the mandate that's on, on me. And Paul is writing, he's the, uh, he's the apostle who was the terrorist that Jesus encountered and transformed. Remember his story? If Jesus could do that for Paul, imagine what he could do for your son or your daughter, your uncle, your auntie, your father, your mother, your neighbor, your friend, the guy that, or the girl that you work with, the person that's in the hospital that you're visiting, right? These things that you've heard from me, in the company, in the presence of many witnesses, right? I've been public about the things that I've shared with you. Commit those things to faithful men who will then be able to pass them on to other faithful people as well so they can do the teaching too. Can you see the process here? Can you see how there's a cycle? Can you see how there's a circle? I was going to do a Lion King there for a minute, the great circle of life, but um, let's just stay on track, shall we, Joel? The great circle of life, right? Someone was faithful enough to share with us the gospel of Jesus. May we find the grace, may we find the boldness to begin as a church, not to open our voice, not to open our mouth and voice what we're against, but to proclaim the one who is life, who is healing, who is forgiveness, who is freedom, and who is liberty. May his name be on our lips and in our heart. May we have a defense ready for why we are hopeful. In the midst of all the calamity and chaos of the world, may we as a church, may we as a group of people have thought enough about what would I say in that moment? How would I communicate why I'm so hopeful about the future? What are you going to do? Maybe you're here today or perhaps you're listening, watching this, hearing the broadcast on the radio today. I don't know how you're getting this message today, but wherever you are and whatever your situation is today, I want to pray. If you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, You've never received Him to be the Lord and Sovereign of your life. Today is a day that you can make that, make that choice and make that decision. You'll know God's calling you because inside there's butterflies, there's a churning in your stomach, and there's a struggle. Part of you wants to surrender, and other part says, no, just be cool, get out of here. Just This moment will pass, the pressure will be off. But this is a moment for you to say, I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to say yes to Jesus Christ. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for some other people as well this morning, just as we close. But while your head is bowed and your eyes are closed, if I'm praying to you because today you're saying yes to Jesus, will you just raise your hand and say, David, pray for me? Obviously, I can't see if you're doing that uh, in your car or in your home, but if you are, you can email us. We would love to be a part of your journey of becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. You recognize that it's not just something from the past, but it's something for the now. It's something for the future. Is there someone here today say yes to Jesus Christ? I want to pray for you. Well, Father, I thank you that you're calling out to humanity. Even as you stood on the shores of Galilee and by the Jordan River, as you walked through the streets of Jericho and Jerusalem, as you called out to people then, you're calling out to people now. Follow me. We recognize that if we don't follow you, we'll follow our own 
best intentions. We'll follow the advice and the counsel of those that don't know. We'll just end up being someone who's blind, following another person who's blind. End up in a ditch somewhere. Father, would you grace us with humility to recognize our need. Grace us with courage to say yes. Lay down our life so that your will and your kingdom would come. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before we release you and we go for our lunch together today, I want to pray specifically for people. And I don't know why, but just this morning as we were in worship, I just really felt inclined. There's some, maybe there's a bunch of people here, I don't know. And I don't intend at all to embarrass anybody, but you're struggling in that realm of forgiveness. That someone has offended you, someone's disappointed you, hurt you, let you down. Someone's really done the wrong thing and you're really struggling. You're really struggling to let it go. I just want to pray over you today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just invite you to come and bring both your wisdom and your grace and your anointing to our life. You taught us to pray every day. The prayer of forgiveness, that prayer of release. I thank you that you've got wisdom for us, Lord, and how to live our life. And if we will choose it, if we will choose it, if we'll choose to say yes to your wisdom and yes to your way, we'll find tremendous freedom and tremendous release. Lord, today those that are being suffocated by unforgiveness and hurt and offense and bitterness, I just lift up my voice to declare freedom and liberty in Jesus' name. Just the ability, Lord, to put your word into practice and see the blessing that comes when we find ourselves free of the offense of others. And so, Father, give us the grace to admit when we're wrong and give us the grace to forgive, even offer that forgiveness before it's asked for so we'd live free and we'd live whole in the wonderful name of Jesus. And somebody said, Amen, Amen, Amen.